2: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available
0: for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las
2: Vegas! We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. on. Here's your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton.
1: Welcome back. It is time for Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey Original Podcast. Also a hearty hello to our listeners on 98.5 The Fan and 1140 The Bet in Las Vegas. Do us a favor if you don't already subscribe to the show. Wherever you get your podcasts, go do that for us now. Turn on the auto-download. We'd certainly appreciate it. And for those of you watching us, yes, watching us, peepers, with your peepers on YouTube, thanks for doing that. Make sure you subscribe. Hit the notifications bell. We are glad to see you. And I say we because I bring in my broadcast partner. That is Mr. Momo, and He's a national NFL writer at Bleacher Report. You can follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. You can also catch his Raiders-specific content up on sportsnot.com. You can follow me at LVGully, and the show is SNB Today. All right, Mo, guess what? The Derek Carr era in the silver and black is officially over. The Raiders, as I kind of predicted all along, I was open-minded, but I didn't think they'd be able to move him. They were not able to move him. As uh, Derek Carr notified the team over the weekend that even though he had a great discussion apparently with the New Orleans Saints, he said to the Raiders, "Guess what? I'm not going to accept a trade anywhere. I'm going to opt to be a free agent." And Mo, it brought up a lot of emotions. People calling him uh, all kinds of names for doing this, which I do not. It was perfectly within his right. It was part of the contract. He's got to do what's best for him. He's not a Raider anymore. And then you had people on the other side who were mad about—I mean, again, the car wars continue, but Derek Carr, not surprising and not surprising, even if the Saints and he got along, uh, the report stated the Saints wanted him to take less money to take on a deal there and kind of restructure and come in so that the Saints, who don't have a ton of cash, could do that, uh, but that didn't work out. So now Derek Carr is going to be on the open market to sign with whoever whoever he wants— Tell me, walk me back. How do you feel about this? What's the market going to be like for Derek Carr?
2: A lot of thoughts on this. We're, I guess we're going to be divorce lawyers today. <laughs> As the Raiders dun, and Derek dun. Carr <laughs> Park go their separate ways. But if you remember, I said on Thursday that I gave a 55% chance that a trade would go down. And that was based on the fact that the Saints had actually showed legitimate interest in trading for Carr. First, it seemed pretty bleak, and I said he's probably going to be released because there was really no buzz around Derek Carr until the Saints stepped in. Mm-hmm. And Derek Carr spent two days at the New Orleans facility chopping it up with Dennis Allen and the Team Brass. But at the end of the day, he winds up calling the Ravens, well, informing the Ravens, saying that he's not going to waive his no trade clause for the Saints or any team, which leads me to believe that he took the visit with the Saints to gauge his market and find out what he can get as a free agent. And I don't know what the Saints told him, but let's just give a round number. Let's say the Saints said, We're interested in you, but we don't like the way your contract is currently constructed. We're willing to pay you 30 million and not the 32.9 million that you were due uh in 2023 plus the 7.5 million in 2024. So he probably he's probably thinking, if he hears that, he's probably thinking, okay, if I had the free agent market, I can at least get 30 million from the Saints. That's yep. the floor for or that's, that's what I can get. Regardless of what happens with any other team I talk to, I can at least know that I can get $30 million from the Saints they want me. So he's probably looking at it at like this. Hey, I was due $32.9 million in 2023. I know the $7.5 million in 2024 with the guaranteed deal, but the Saints wanted to rework my contract. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler said most of the teams interested in Derek Carr wanted to rework his contract. So regardless, if he accepted a trade anywhere, he wasn't going to keep the same deal that he had with Mm -hmm. the Raiders. So he was going to take a step back financially anyway. So he probably looks at it as, I can get $30 on the free agent market and have more options. So I think Derek Carr actually took this dinner to gauge his free agent market. And it's a smart business move because, again, he's not obligated to play nice with the Raiders. No, He's going to do what's best for him. And I think once he hits the free agent market, I think, and I tweeted this out, I said he would get between 28 and 31 million from whoever signs him. I would probably up that to 20 to 32 million because people have to understand. Raiders fans who don't like Derek Carr have to understand this. The market dictates what you're going to get. You may not like Derek Carr. You may remember all the times Derek Carr threw interceptions, missed the wide open receiver. Fumble the ball, but you have to understand these teams, these GMs, these head coaches are desperate for a decent quarterback, and we can all acknowledge Derek Carr is a starting quarterback in this league. Maybe top fifteen. I say he's in the top twelve, top thirteen range. But a team is going to be willing to pay thirty million plus for a Derek Carr, especially if that team needs to win football games right away. Their job is on the line. They're they're going to need to upgrade the quarterback position. The Jets. I don't know. I don't know if Derek Carr would be interested in the Jets. But if you look at the Jets, if those guys don't win in 2023 and make the playoffs, yeah. they're going to get fired. <clears throat> and there are a lot of teams in that position where there could be turnover if they don't upgrade. So this is why Derek Carr is probably going to get somewhere around $30 million a year.
1: Well, and Mo, I, I agree with you. And listen, I, I don't begrudge a guy. Listen, the, the, the Raiders are done with him. And so he owes nobody. Any. I don't understand why fans, just like the fans who got so upset about the how the team treated him by benching him when they did, Look, it's a business, and I understand, and and I don't care if you work at a fast food restaurant, a department store, your local government, or for an NFL team. The days of just having blind loyalty to your employees and vice versa is over. That just doesn't exist like it used to. Are there examples of guys who stick around no matter what? Yes. Did Derek Carr stick around? Yes. Yes. And and I think listen there's nothing to begrudge him over this. There's nothing I think the Raiders made the right move in moving on from him. I've said that all along, but do I think that he did something wrong here? No. And so when people start cursing him and I was I don't understand that. Number 1, number 2, there's also this narrative that listen, for once Derek Carr did something for himself. Come on. Give me a break with that. Listen, he took two huge contracts with the Raiders, including his last one. He could have walked away, become a free agent, and tested his market then before. So nobody should feel sorry for Derek Carr for making $200 million or whatever. It was over $200 million And what he did there. Yes, he put up with a lot of crap with the dumpster fire that was the Raiders at times, but I don't feel sorry for him. And I give him all the credit in the world for doing what I exactly think he did is what you outlined, which was Test the market. Go talk to this team. Tell the Raiders, see ya. I'm going to go out on the free market and let people bid on me because you don't know what will happen.
2: I don't get the fans that feel like Derek Carr should have done the Raiders a favor by accepting the trade over going to the free agent market. While I push back on people saying, well, Derek Carr doesn't owe the team any favors, I, I've also said that Derek Carr is going to do his best for Derek Carr.
1: Right. Now,
2: if that included – being traded that's what he would have done but it did it apparently for Derek carr the best case scenario for him would be to hit the free agent market open up his options because the raiders weren't going to grant him permission to talk to to any other teams unless that team agreed to the parameters or the framework of a trade so he was limited to the amount of teams he could talk to and as you said the raiders tipped their hand and basically let the league know they were going to move on from Derek Carr once they benched him in week 17. So at that point you can consider Derek Carr as not a Raider. So at that point he has no allegiance. He has no ties to doing the Raiders any favors whatsoever, other than a favor that would be coinciding with what's best for him. So to call him a traitor at this point is unfair because the Raiders had already moved on from him. So he's doing what's best for him as a person and the team is doing what's best for the team.
1: And not only that Mo, and this is why it was not surprising was look The guy is sensitive. He's sensitive, and he was upset with how it was handled. Whether you think it was right or wrong, he was upset. That's why his brother was out barking like a dog, talking about... Talking about how you know he was going to tell the full story. There was obviously hurt feelings. However, it was handled internally. We don't know that. We never will know until this big podcast that will fall from the sky app- apparently eventually. Um, but so there was no, there was nothing there, Mo. Right? I mean, you could expect it not to end well based on how they reacted. I'll say this:
2: if the Saints had sat down with Derek Carr and they said, Derek, we'll take your current contract, we'll inherit your whole contract. You can keep your contract the way it is as the Raiders constructed it. They would probably be a trade at this point because Derek Carr would probably be thinking, okay, I can keep the 40-point fill million that I can get over the next two years, play for another team, start anew, go to a division that doesn't have any really good quarterbacks. Let's be honest, Jameis winston Kyle Trask, <laughs> I mean Matt Corral for the Panthers. If Derek Carr goes to NC South, he's going to win a lot of games because that division, that complete it's division, terrible. is a dumpster fire. Yeah, Desmond Raiders, is a rookie in Atlanta. There was no way, like one of if those teams play, Saints play any one of those teams with Derek Carr, they're winning that football game because the Saints have are already a top ten defense. So right. you had a quarterback in there, they can get it done. So if they had, if they had sat down with him and said, "We'll keep your contract as is." we'll bring you over, we'll we'll release some guys and restructure some deals to make it happen. Derek Carr would probably be a New Orleans Saint right now, but that wasn't the case. And like I said, Jeremy Fowler said that any team willing to acquire Carr wanted to restructure his deal. There was no way the Raiders were going to complete a a trade without having to maybe eat some of his contract and a restructured deal to facilitate a trade. So that was a misstep that the Raiders (coughs) made. I think having that no trade clause in there Complicated things, of course. Sure. But the main point here is, is I think the Raiders tipped their hand too early. And I think if the Raiders had given off the idea that they were going to, that there was a possibility that they would roll with Carr in 2023, then teams would have to come calling them about what would you mm. give up for Derek Carr. But See, once you tip your hand and let the league know that you're moving that you on, you're done. Yeah, yeah. You have no choice but to release him if he waived, and, doesn't laws. It's, it's
1: really interesting you bring that up because I think that's a fair criticism. Like, I think, like, hey, you might have. You might have shown your cards a little too soon, right? Because I've seen fans in general uh, over the last few days very critical of the Raiders for putting in this, th- putting the contract clause in there to begin with, the no trade clause and all that stuff. But what people don't understand is it was a trade off. They gave yeah. him the no trade clause in order to take the one year out that they were getting. And so the Raiders knew, they knew that, hey, worst case scenario, we let him walk and we get zilch. So the Raiders knew that, and that's why I don't fans who are upset that they're not getting their call. They're telling me Ziegler, you know, screwed up because he he now he's not getting anything for him. They knew that, and they were okay with it. So the reason fans are upset is you're not getting a draft pick back. But that's what the Raiders wanted to do. That was all part of the give and take of how that contract and why they're able to walk away after a year. Otherwise, you might be sitting here and saying, you know what? You can't get rid of Derek Carr for two years or three years, and then you're in a different situation. Now, your criticism of them and benching him and how they handled that, forget loyalty and all that crap, just from a a poker (laughs) perspective— Absolutely, because had they let him roll, you weren't going to win. I know they wanted to see some of Stidham, but they could have started him if he had gotten in trouble. They could have then put Stidham in. There was ways to handle it that they didn't do. So, Mo, that's a great point because no one has touched on that. Instead, they're distracted by this idea that because they put in the no trade clause and get no draft capital back, that somehow they failed there.
2: Now, I understand if he gets hurt, then they're on the hook for 40.4 million. I'm sure people in the chat yeah. will, will say that. But the, the thing is, look at Derek Carr's Raider career. How often has he been hurt? Right. You know, at this point, you you play your chances. And if you if you feel like you're in a game where Derek Carr is taking too many hits, then you pull him out. You you have a run-heavy uh, game plan. You, you, you protect your quarterback. There are ways you can put your quarterback out there. And protect him. Now you can get hurt on any given play. You can get a quarterback can get hurt on a handoff if (laughs) he's hit by a defender and he falls the wrong way. But I think you play your percentages and you protect the quarterback for the last two weeks of the season, and just kind of give off the idea that we may roll with Derek Carr in twenty twenty three. If you want him, you better call us because we we may run it back. So I think once the Raiders benching for Jared Stidham, I, it, it just seemed like a bad situation because now you're stuck with Derek Carr having no trade clause and now he may have hurt feelings. Once I heard that he was away from the team for the last two games, I was like, here we go and then his brother getting <laughs> on NFL Network saying that you know there was more to the story. Here we go. Then he goes to the Pro Bowl and, and of course he took a shot at himself, but you, you understood that looking at him, he was still getting over the situation. There was sure. still some hurt feelings there, so sure. it all added up to what most of us would have expected of course as i said on thursday there was a little bit of hope with the saints jumping in but at the end of the day it's kind of what most fans and most pundits expected to happen
1: right and to to car's credit he he went and met with the saints to your point it was definitely a feeling out session but if they would have yeah. given him what he wanted he might have taken right. the trade so so to say that he wouldn't have wouldn't be accurate because we just don't know there but clearly, clearly uh, Derek Carr is betting on himself. He's basically said, you know what? I'm going to take my walking papers and I'm going to go make a deal. And and good for him. I mean, that's what you get as, as a, a nine-year veteran in this league. The fact that he gets to walk away from a situation that uh, didn't end well, and now he gets to go where he wants to and negotiate when he wants to. And he can do it now. He's got a jump start on everybody because of his contract and his release date. So he can start to do that, which is significant for him. So. There you go. Now, Mo, we will wait. We're going to give it some time, and then we're going to go back at some point in the next uh, few shows and kind of do a retrospective on the legacy of Derek Carr as a Raiders, because I think it's a very complex one. Uh, it's not very easy. I know for some of you, you'll say it's easy because he sucked. He didn't win any games. Or on the other side, will say he's great. He never had a defense. I get where the, the lines will be drawn. But somewhere in the middle is a story here about his legacy and when— when the, the dust settles and the hurt feelings are gone, how is it going to feel? And what are what are they going to say? What are the history books going to say overall about Derek Carr's tenure? So we'll get to that soon. Uh, but first, we're going to take a break. Yes, we're going to pay some bills, if you will. Uh, when we come back, Mo and I are going to talk about the Raiders after uh, this Sunday's game. Yeah, you heard, remember the Super Bowl. Uh, the Chiefs now equal the Raiders, three Lombardi trophies. Yes, the Chiefs now have three... Super Bowl victories, too, obviously, very recently uh, with Patrick Mahomes at the helm. So we're going to talk about the Chiefs, the AFC West, what the Raiders have got to do. They got to get their act together quickly, in my view. We're going to talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Silver and Black Today with Mo and Scott. This is an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders. Hope you're doing well as you move into the NFL offseason officially. The Kansas City Chiefs. Oof, I know that hurts, Raider Nation. Kansas City Chiefs are world champions again as they beat the Philadelphia Eagles 38-35. And, Mo, that's what I want to get into this segment because the Chiefs, remember the Chiefs, even going back you and I thought that they might fall off a little bit this year. Uh, instead, they're 13-4. and four. Patrick Mahomes is the MVP not only of the NFL season, but also of the Super Bowl, which I think, honestly, that Jalen Hurts, even in a losing effort, was more of an MVP than, than uh, Patrick Mahomes was in that game. Uh, I know he had the one fumble and all that jazz, but still a great performance by the kid. But anyway... The Raiders and the AFC West, we now, we've talked about this, Sean Payton now in Denver. You have the Chargers and a lineup that seems to get a little bit better. Their coach is terrible, which is still the outlier for them. <laughs> um, I mean, let's just call it what it is, right? Uh, but at the same time, uh, the Raiders are now in a situation where, yes, they have draft capital. Yes, they have uh, salary cap, mo. They don't have a quarterback at this moment. We don't know what they're going to do there. They don't have a defense yet. So we got to. I, I know we're several weeks, a couple months away from understanding what they're going to start to be able to do to put this team together. But I don't find, Mo, that the Raiders, and this is not a negative point of view, it's just, I'm just trying to state it as fact. The Raiders don't have a lot of room for any errors here in this division. Because I think, I know we talked about the division being so good last year, but I just think the division is trending in the right way. You have somebody who's competent in Denver now. Uh, in Los Angeles, you have talent, whether or not they can wrangle and put it together is the question. So maybe they're a little bit of the oddball there. And then of course you got the chiefs who continue to win. Um, this, do you agree with me on that? Do, are are the Raiders in a position now where if they make too many, too many errors in the draft again, or they don't get, um, I think their team moving in the right direction that they could find themselves in the basement for quite a while.
2: I think they, they go into the offseason and just swing for the fences because as of right now, they are in the basement. If you match up these teams in the AFC West, the Raiders are the only team with a big question mark at, at the quarterback position. Now, I know Russell Wilson didn't play well in Denver last year, but if you look at Sean Payton's resume, there are a lot of smart people around the league who agree with me and they say that Russell Wilson is going to have a bounce back year. I'm not saying he's going to be an MVP candidate, right? but I think he'll be in a running for a comeback player of the year mentioned under sean payton so with that said denver also has a strong defense and they've had a strong defense for years but the raiders don't have a quarterback or a strong defense so there to me <laughs> let's call it what it is it's a rebuild this offseason it's a rebuilding year two under josh mcdaniels and dave Ziegler, and they have to figure out who's going to be their quarterback of the future or who's going to be their stopgap quarterback and they have to do a lot of work on the defensive side of the ball because even though they have some pieces with Max Crosby and maybe Nate Hobbs, if he could bounce back after regressing last year, I felt like he regressed last year. Even yeah, though they I, have some, go
1: ahead. No, I was going to say. I mean, I think I think look, there's pieces on the Raiders. I'm not saying, and and some people are are. Uh, I was going back and forth with some people online the other day because they're like, well, no, we need to get Aaron Rodgers because the Super Bowls in Las Vegas, and that's what Mark Davis wants. I'm like, the Super Bowl, like how about win eight games? Like how how you know let's let's take one step at a time. Could they turn it around and make the playoffs next year? Absolutely, that happens in the NFL. But you're 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 a forty to one odds to make the Super Bowl. I would I would temper your expectations, Raider Nation, on where they're going, especially when you look at Kansas City. Okay, because you got to look at Kansas City. We've been saying it for two years, right, Mo? Ever since uh, ever since uh, Mike Mayock said it, which is you you have to build the team to beat the Chiefs. And the Raiders are not there yet. And by the way, the Chiefs, again, I'll, I'll state it, had six impact players on their team in this Super Bowl that were rookies. Look at Pacheco. Holy moly, seventh round pick. So they're not getting older. They're not going to lose any of their edge, really. Uh, they, they have a couple of spots. But other than that, they're going to stay where they're at pretty much. So you have to match them. And to me... The Raiders have to do that quickly. And to your point about swinging them out of the fences, you got to draft really, really well and hit on those draft picks, but then you also got to spend that cash and go out and get some of those big free agents.
2: We're going to find out where Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels are with this Raider team because I will acknowledge there's a possibility that they do swing a trade for Aaron Rodgers. I'm not saying it's impossible. I think it's quite possible because their reports are out that if the Packers do trade Aaron Rodgers, it'll be to the AFC, not within the NFC. Mm So once Aaron Rodgers does his undertaker thing. He's in his <laughs> darkest retreat for four days. He emerges from that. He's going to have reports say that he's going to have basically have all the leverage where he's going to tell the Packers what he wants. If he wants to return to Green Bay, they're open to that. If he wants to trade, they're open to that because they have Jordan love behind him. So let's say he comes back. And he says, I want to trade. I think the Rays have a legit chance to acquire him. Now, the thing with this is, and I, and I say this, I've said this plenty of times. The reason for the Raiders acquiring Aaron Rodgers is not because the Super Bowl is in Vegas next year. It's because Josh McDaniels has to show that he's an NFL caliber head coach. Because what has he done between Denver and now one year with the Raiders at six and eleven? That shows, hey, I'm a good, I'm a good NFL head coach. He may be a good coordinator, he may be a good play designer, but as far as NFL head coach, his record is is terrible. So he, if he acquires Aaron Rodgers, it just shows that he feels some pressure to win right away. Now, if they don't go the Aaron Rodgers route and they get Jimmy Garoppolo, who I'm not too fond of <laughs> because of his injury history. Neither is Raider Nation, by the way. It it, it shows that they're, they're willing to slow build this thing. And because Jimmy Garoppolo, he, he's a stable quarterback. Not stable as far as availability, but he can stabilize an offense. He's a starting caliber quarterback, to my opinion, on the low end. Mm-hmm. You can win some games with him, but you're not getting to the Super Bowl with a Jimmy Garoppolo unless the supporting cast around him is absolutely top-notch as he had with the 49ers and the Raiders don't have that so if you get Not a Jimmy close. Garoppolo and a rookie you're looking at a slow build up back to back to relevancy you would hope you would hope that you can win eight or nine games and be competitive and then eventually turn it over to whoever your rookie quarterback is and that's going to require patience that's the evil p word that Raiders fans don't want to hear mm-hmm. But if you look at a Jimmy Garoppolo and a rookie combination, that's what you're going to have to have because the Raiders are not going to win the Super Bowl unless they hit a complete home run in the offseason. They just get hit after hit in free agency and through the draft.
1: Yeah, and, and listen, and, and we have it here on the screen, the, the quarterback question for this team, Mo, and this franchise, uh, is, is it completely shapes the future because, yes, they need to build a defense. So, So if you're listening out there, don't come at me. I'm telling you, yes, I understand they need to build the defense. But I'm, I'm just telling you that you have to have the quarterback position solidified. Now, if you get Aaron Rodgers, fine. That means you give up a buttload of draft capital. So guess what happens? It's going to take longer to build your defense. Uh, and if Aaron Rodgers decides to play a second year, you might go into every year like they have in Green Bay, not knowing if he comes back from his dark retreat, and he still wants to play football. So there's that. I think Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play. I do. But I'm just telling you what you get if you go to get him. Give up all that draft capital. Now, I would argue, and everybody knows I'm in favor of, I would rather trade draft capital to move up in the draft and draft a rookie quarterback if you believe. Now, I don't know what Dave Ziegler believes. If he believes C.J. Stroud or Will Levis or Bryce Young is the guy, then go up and get him and get whatever you have. I'd rather give up the draft capital for that young guy than Aaron Rodgers, because listen, I don't think even if you get Aaron Rodgers, yeah, you can be a playoff team. I don't think you're going to be a championship quality team. I just don't see it. I could be wrong, but I don't see that. So to me, it's about the future. I rather invest my money, my draft capital in the future, but either way you go, and Mo, that's all we're saying. We're saying, look, you have two directions. There is a fork in the road for Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. Whichever path they take will impact the franchise for years to come
2: i'm on record saying that i'm on the side of a rookie quarterback and i've said this on previous shows that the raiders should look at what the eagles did jalen hurts on a rookie contract and you look what they did with the rest of their roster acquiring a bunch of pieces now it didn't work out ultimately to a Bowl victory but if you're a team that's moving on from your quarterback you look at the eagles and you think well they drafted jalen hurts in the second round they crafted an offense that accentuated his strengths. He's a dynamic mm-hmm. signal caller. He can run and throw the ball as you saw in the Super Bowl. He also has a deep ball now. And they, they build up that defense. Now, that defense ran into a buzzsaw at the Chiefs' offense, but for the most part, that defense held up, and it's part of the reason why they made it to the Super Bowl. So, I'm of the belief that you know, if you're gonna go the Jimmy Garoppolo route, he's probably gonna play maybe a handful of games or, or seven, eight <laughs> games till he gets hurt, and then your rookie's gonna come in anyway. Right. And then you let your rookie take over. Now, if they don't get Jimmy Garoppolo, which I would be totally fine with, and they just have their rookie bat have a full blown quarterback competition with the with the Jared Jacoby Brissett, I'm right. fine with that because the sooner you get your rookie out there and he's playing well, the more time you have to build up other areas of your roster before Correct. you have to pay him. Remember, players have to play three years before they're eligible for an extension. Right. So if you get your rookie out there, he's playing pretty well by the end of his first year. Then you still have two years to build up your roster while he's on the ascend. So this is why I also believe that is the Raiders, with all the holes they have on the defensive side of the ball, should get a rookie on a rookie contract. So if you're going to go the bridge quarterback route, I would just go with the cheapest option possible and then invest everything else in the other side of the ball.
1: You know, And for all, for all you negative ninnies out there, there's a lot of negative oh, people gosh. out in the world, including in Raider Nation. You know who you are. And there's some good people, but they just always are negative. And so I'm going to say this too. So if you say to what Mo just said, he laid it out nicely. Okay, so you go, you you spend some some draft capital, you move up, you get a, a CJ Stroud a Will Levis, whoever, and then that quarterback's a bust. Guess what though? You've taken, you've taken the rest of your money, the rest of your draft capital, and you keep chipping away at the defense, right? And the offensive wow. line, you solidify that. So let's say after a year or two, the quarterback's not working out. Now you have money, you have all those guys on rookie deals that are contributing, and you can go out and get a quarterback, veteran go in the draft again, whatever it may be. So to me, it's sort of like a little bit of an insurance policy as well, as as because you're right, you can bring in a veteran, you can bring in Jarrett Stidham, I know a lot of Rafa fans already like him and like would like to see him be able to compete for the role, at least in some fashion. So you have Jarrett Stidham there, sign him, you get the rookie, and you bring in another veteran just for competition, and you see what happens. And it allows you to build the defense, fill in the spots on offense that you need, uh, and start to turn the franchise into a long-term sustainable winner versus a go get Aaron Rodgers, make the playoffs for a couple years and he retires and you're done.
2: Here's something to think about, and I want to put this out there. Uh one of one of the one of my buddies out there, I believe he's a host on Put On Waivers podcast. Mm-hmm. I believe his last name is Douglas. I want to give him credit for this thought. My this is the thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. If you're Jimmy Garoppolo, why would you wanna sign with the Raiders knowing you're the bridge gap guy? <laughs> If you can be the the unquestioned starter in let's say Carolina, or 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 the Colts, or any other team that needs a quarterback, why would you want to go to the Rays? Where basically, because if, if you sign, if the Rays sign Jimmy Garoppolo, it's quite possible they're going to draft the rookie. Unless they tell him, look, we're not going to draft, we're not going to draft the rookie this year. Then that's a different story. But if you're Jimmy. And you're looking at the red situation and you're going, well, I have a rookie quarterback behind me, similar to what he had with Trey Lance, which could be an awkward situation in, in San Francisco. Why would you choose that over Carolina or another team that says, you're our guy for at least two years? You're our starter for at least two years. Right. We're not drafting a quarterback, you're going to be our starter. I think for Jimmy, that's a more attractive situation because then you have more rope. If you make mistakes, they're not going to bench you because they didn't draft a rookie quarterback behind you unless, unless you absolutely stink. They're not gonna replace you. If you go to the Raiders and they draft CJ Stroud or even Will Levis or anyone else with a with a with their seventh overall pick, if Jimmy goes out there and stinks it up, they could just send their rookie out there and say, Well, our rookie played well in the offseason, right. Jimmy isn't working. We can we can simply just replace him. So I don't think the Raiders are an attractive situation for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. Who's right. going to have options? Because there was a report out Monday saying that there's going to be significant interest in in Jimmy Garoppolo when, once free hc opens up.
1: Right, and and the Raiders are not going to give him a three year guaranteed contract. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna get a one year contract with a lot of outs because they don't know what they're doing yet. To your point about stopgap, whereas he could probably go to Tampa and get a three year deal that's going to be a three year deal. So you're right. I think there's going to be a lot of leverage there for him. And I don't see the Raiders. I think people assume that because the Raiders have an open quarterback position that any veteran out there is going to want to come in. And that just isn't the case. So we'll see. Okay. We're going to uh, finish up this segment. We're going to move into our final segment. We're going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, what we saw, what we liked, what we didn't like. Who knows? Turf, referees. We'll, were the referees a big deal? <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that when we come back to finish up this show. We'd be reminiscent if we didn't talk about the Super Bowl uh, just a few days after it happened. And we'll do that when we come back. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Also a hearty hello to our listeners on 98.5 The Fan, 11.40 The Bet in Las Vegas. This is Mo and Scott. We're coming back right after this. Welcome back. Home stretch here on Silver and Black. Today, an Odyssey original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders. Mo Moten, he is, still is, yes, he's Midtown Mo, but that's just to us. But to the rest of the world, he is Mo Moten. He is a national NFL writer at Bleacher Report. Also, Raiders columnist up on sportsnot.com. You can t- text him, text, holy crap, Mo, I got to start, like, rewiring the mouth today uh you can tweet at him at mo moton m-o-e-m-o-t-o-n and i am at lv gully the show is at snb today so mo what did you think of the super bowl give me your your top line two sentences of what you thought of the game
2: game started well ended poorly rihanna was great
0: there you go
1: Okay, there you go. That was succinct. So I will, I'll run it back and say, yes, I agree on the game. The last call, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, uh, ruined it for me. And I thought, Rihanna, I almost fell asleep, but that's just me. So uh, we're in a different age bracket. And so maybe it has to do with that. I have no idea. I just thought it was a little bit blah.
2: I I think I know what the problem here is. See, you were listening to Rihanna. I was looking you at. we were Rihanna, watching. And that's Rihanna. why we have different reactions.
1: Yes, I know. <laughs> well, yes, uh, she's a beautiful lady, uh, and she was an expectant mother. I thought that was very cool of her actually to not try to hide that, but instead show it. So that was really cool. Um, so good for her, and congratulations to her for her next. Show, I think she just had a child, like what a year ago or two two years mm-hmm. ago. So pretty she's pretty going, close. She's going back to back. She's going back to back, getting it done when she's young. Very, very smart. All right, so the, let's start with the most controversial thing, of course, which was uh, the interference call towards the end of the game, last two minutes. And here's the analogy I've been using since Sunday, Mo. And I want I want to see if you agree with this. Was it a penalty? I guess if you look at it, you could technically say yes. Even uh, Bradbury, the 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 the, uh, the the cornerback for the Eagles, said yes, it was a penalty. I mean, what else is he going to say, right? So he says it's a penalty. It is a penalty. But I use this analogy. Let's say I'm driving down the street. I'm visiting Mo. I'm, on, I'm in Midtown. I'm going down Fifth Avenue on my way. There happens to be no traffic maybe because it's raining a little bit. I'm driving, and the speed limit's 25. But there's an NYPD blue, and he rolls by me, and I'm doing 28. Now, he can give me a ticket. I'm technically breaking the law but is he going to do it? Uh, it's his call. He can ju- judge McCall. And, and so then let's say he pulls me over. He pulls me over and I'm a newlywed. I'm, I'm in my tuxedo. My wife's in her dress. We're going, we're trying to get to the church on time for the wedding. Okay. And he's probably going to let her go. He's going to say, okay, you guys get out of here slow down and get there alive. This is what I look at this last play. They don't call that play. There was lots of other holding calls. There was interference calls, all sorts of calls. I credit the officiating crew in the game until the last two minutes because they didn't become part of the game. And then, just like the AFC Championship game, Mo, the last two minutes they decided to be part of the game. And so that, to me, is what drives fans nuts. If they were calling flags the whole game, then you expect it. But they didn't call anything hardly. And so then at the end of the game, at the most pivotal moment of the game, they call that. So is my analogy on track there? What do you think? Does it change the fact that the Eagles didn't adjust in the second half? No. So ultimately, it's their fault for losing, not the officials, but it's still just a bad look for a Super Bowl.
2: I get it. I get what you're saying. But anytime you see a defender's hand wrapped around the waist of a pass catcher or receiver, there's a possibility that they're going to call that. And I know what you're saying that they're not going to call it the beginning. Why call it late? You never want to put the game in the hands of the referees. I'm sure coaches have said this it's countless true. times to their teams. You don't want to put leave it in the hands of the referee to make a call or not to make a call for you to win or lose that football game. And James Bradbury, as you mentioned, said it. He said it I took this jersey, but he just didn't think they were calling that situation, probably because they weren't calling it earlier in the game. Now he got busted on that one. I didn't I don't like the call in that situation. I'd rather like just play it out. Right. I hate to see games won on a penalty, especially on a crucial, what was it, third down yep. to extend the Chiefs' drive and give them a new set of downs. I hate seeing that. So that's why I said the game ended well, but it was an anticlimactic end because you just don't want to see it end that way. You want to see the players decide the outcome without a penalty. But, again, as I've said, once you see that hand wrapped around the waist, it could tip off an official to make that call. But I will. I have a stat, and I know, I'm sure our producer, Davis DePena, will like this. Teams were one in twenty-six went up by 10 plus points in the Super Bowl.
1: Oof. Right.
2: Now two and 26. Now that the Eagles fumbled their 10-point halftime lead. They were up 24-14 going into halftime. As you said, they didn't play well in the second half. That defense that everyone talked about, including myself, allowed Patrick Mahomes in that offense, Patrick Mahomes who hurt, who re-injured his ankle before halftime, allowed that offense to go up and down the field. Now I get it. He's getting shots in his ankle to numb it and everything, I get it. But the fact that he was able to do that while not even close to 100% on a defense that everyone thought was going to give that offensive line and the Chiefs problems says a lot about the Chiefs. Give credit. I know we're on the Raider, a Raider podcast, but give credit to the Chiefs offensive line and the Eagles. That defense just didn't show up in the second half. Where was Hassan Reddick? Where was Fletcher Cox? Where was Javon Hargrave? Yeah. Those guys didn't come up with enough plays in
1: the second half to hold that lead. No, and and you you spoke of our producer David Stepanian, so I'm going to bring him in here as he's he's always lurking in the background. Oh, wow, thanks. Um, uh, yeah, see, you're on, <laughs> uh, David. By the way, with this one, I want to say this too because we I'm just going to backtrack a minute before we finish talking about the Super Bowl, um, the betting on the Super Bowl because Dave David's a degenerate gambler, so he, he's there. That's why he's got that beard. Yeah, and I, looks, I blew up your look,
0: phone when I when I was driving yes. back home.
1: He looks like he's in a white van around the corner. Uh, but nonetheless. Uh, <laughs> really I'm
0: waiting. I'm outside the Caesars Palace right now just waiting. I'm in the parking lot just waiting for the. But, David, you
1: you bet on the Chiefs, and all there was a lot of money coming in on the Chiefs, which is why the line mm-hmm. stayed where it was. Um, w- and then there's, the, yeah, the William Hill story. Go look it up. Uh, William Hill, David can't collect his winning bet on the, on the game because their the whole punk, system yeah. basically shut down, and you're unable to oh. get it. And, and they're not responding to anybody. It's, 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 it's a crazy story. Yeah, I
0: should have been um, on the Eagles. Might as well.
1: <laughs> you, you would have That's been out of your saying. money legitimately holding my there.
0: Money Someone give me my money, please. <laughs> <laughs> please Could you get like, David
1: his money? It's not, it's not like producing this, this podcast is, makes him enough to live.
0: So many people. Look, I, I, I have a small wager. I have a small wager on the game. There's people betting thousands. All right? Yes. Like, imagine those guys. Yes. Yeah, like that. they must be upset. Like I have a small I have pizza money on this game.
1: Pizza money. There's did you win did you did you win any good props, David?
0: Uh I had I actually had Mahomes under 290 and a half. I always do coin toss. I had heads this year. It was like three in a row. I couldn't I couldn't do tails.
1: I had Mahomes over two twenty five and lost. He didn't even get there.
0: Oh wow. Oh man. Yeah, he what did he end up with?
1: 182. Like
0: one eighty, yeah. Yeah, man, that's crazy. But, but yeah, I talked But he's about the
1: MVP. The
0: Look, i honestly in my opinion uh i think this was heading to be like one of the top five super bowls of all time this was one of my this was shaping up to be a classic and to Mm -hmm. to end that way i had a bet on the chiefs and i was disappointed by that ending i think either way honestly i think chiefs kick a field goal go up three and eagles didn't have enough time to do anything anyway that's how i think most likely it would have played out but we'll never know I we'll would never know, but
1: we we are gonna check in on the next show on Thursday to see if David got his money. So David, if we see you in the same <laughs> clothes so. with the same background, yeah, you might not hear from me. <laughs> you're you're sitting there at Caesar's Palace right now, right?
0: I'm in the parking lot, Scott. And let me tell you, people aren't happy. The people are not happy. They got their torches. They got a lot of people. What's half the casinos on the Strip are not paying out right now. That's insane. Oh I've gosh, never. Seen that's- it.
1: That is a nightmare. Yeah, all right, I'll brother. Thanks you. again. Uh, all right. So, so Mo, there you go with some some betting just to throw David in and give him. He, he's always working hard behind the scenes, so we like to get him up on there. And plus, he needs a date. So, um, all right. I'll stop it. I know. David, I'm just kidding. David, I'm just
2: kidding. Once David hits big, once he stops betting pizza money on his games and he gets a thousand dollar bet, all the women will be flocking to him.
1: Okay. Trust so me. tell. So tell it me though. That way. Tell me though, I do you do you agree with my statement about Jay I think Jalen Hurts was the MVP of the game. I know he's a losing effort, but I I get it. But Jalen Hurts 27 to 38 304 yards, one touchdown passing, three rushing, tying a Super Bowl record. I mean, his performance, I know Patrick Mahomes the Chiefs won, you got to give them credit, fine. But Jalen Hurts, man, not only did he play well all season and prove doubters wrong, Mo, but on the big stage, yeah, he had the weird fumble. I get that. That was the only down piece of it for him. But overall, look at the numbers the kid put up in the Super Bowl.
2: It sucks because if he doesn't have that fumble, maybe the Eagles win. Because that was a seven, That was a seven-point swing because they yes. s- Nick Bolton scored once he scooped it up. So who knows what would have happened there. But I wrote a piece on Bleacher Report, and it went out Sunday night after the Super Bowl. And I said Jalen Hurts proved that he is he he's worth a massive extension. Yeah, now, people are gonna laugh at this number, but I think he's gonna get a number of close to 50 million per year. That's because if thing. you look at if you look at Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray's Kyler Murray's making 46.1 million per year. The the Cardinals signed him to extension last offseason. Kyler Murray hasn't led the Cardinals to a playoff win yet. They've been to the playoffs once with Kyler Murray, he's making 46.1 million a year. Jalen Hurts led the Eagles to the playoffs last year, got them to the Super Bowl this year, and he was a Super Bowl, he was an MVP candidate until he hurt his shoulder. He still got a vote, but Patrick Mahomes, of course, ran away with the award. But this is a guy who was in the MVP running, got his team to the playoffs, back-to-back years, got some playoff wins. He should get close to $50 and I think they're going to sign him to an extension this offseason, and he's well worth every penny of it.
1: He is, and like you said earlier in the show, a second rounder. So Raider fans, when you start looking at the future of the quarterback – it doesn't have to be those three guys, although I would prefer for them to get one of those three guys. Um, there's other players later in the round, or even next year, if they don't go for a quarterback in the first round. So, so again, you can develop that. But just, I was just so impressed with him and what he was able to do in that big game. I sort of expected him to have a little bit of nerves, and of course, that one fumble, maybe that was that. I don't know, but overall, I mean, just balled out, and I think has proven so many uh, so many folks wrong. Uh, and the Eagles are going to be pretty good for a long time because they have everything there. Like a couple free agents, a couple deals they're going to have to give to keep that defense together. But overall, uh, stellar thing. The field, Mo. This is another big controversy with this game. And I understand it. Look, the field play, this is a thing. They did stories for Super Bowl week about how they grew this grass out in Phoenix, the sod, for two years, right? To make sure it was desert temperate, the whole thing. They put it out there, and then they painted the hell out of it. It was like logos everywhere. It was terrible. It looked like some kid had done it in 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 grade school art class. Art class, <laughs> and and so that 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 does interfere with the grass a little bit. It just puts the grass down a little bit. So this grass, they you saw players wholesale cleat changes, and then you still saw guys um, uh, slipping throughout the game. I don't understand it, Mo, because the NFL is the biggest entertainment property we watch or consume. So they don't let anything go unnoticed. Uh, yeah, officiating, we'll get into that another time. But nonetheless, this field, how could you, for the biggest game of the year and your biggest event every year, have a field of that quality?
2: Anytime you experiment with something that's that you haven't used before or that's new, you had to expect some issues. You would hope that those issues aren't as visible as they were in that Super Bowl game. But anytime you're trying something new, you have to expect that there could be, there could be problems there. And, right. And you said after half, I think before halftime, they showed a shot of basically a uh, moving card with all the, cle- all the cleats that the Eagles players switched out of. And it was basically like, it was like a third of the team that had to change their cleats, which is ridiculous. But, that, that's just one of the things when you again you start experimenting you you might have yeah. some issues there,
1: yeah. And and the thing that I'm worried about uh, is this Super Bowl uh-huh. is at Allegiant Stadium next year. The same uh-huh. kind of field system with the tray coming in or out, same environment, desert. And by uh-huh. the way, the field the field turf at uh, the grass at Allegiant Stadium has been awful. I mean, I don't know about it. Doesn't seem like players slip too much in it. But it's looked terrible. So so I'm concerned already. I know it's a year away, and they have some things they can work out between now and then. But, man, just to watch this game and the magnitude of how big it was, to see just guys slipping all over. And then, again, you, you, again the Players Association's got to have some say in this, too, because you guys get injured. I know it's the Super Bowl. It's just the two teams. But there's a chance for injury when a guy's trying to get Make a move and it slips away from him, and suddenly you blow out a knee or an ankle. It could be anything.
2: So, Scott, are you making the case to to bring out the old uh, baseball field and just play the Super <laughs> Bowl game on a field with a baseball field in the middle of it? Is that what you're?
1: No, I'm just uh, advocating for. I'm just saying, with all the damn money the NFL makes, there's got to be a better way. No matter where you are, whether you're in Phoenix or you're in Vegas, wherever you are. Um, they didn't have a problem with it in Los Angeles last year, so uh, but a different environment. When you're in the desert, you, you got a whole different thing going on there. So they're going to have to figure it out before Vegas because if uh, the Raiders, if the Raiders make the playoffs, they're and they play a home playoff game, then you got less time. But they're going to have to do what they did in Phoenix, and they're going to have to grow the grass somewhere and then bring it in. Uh, and I assume they're going to do it in Las Vegas. So it's going to be real interesting to to see what happens there. But but I know a lot of people we upset about it uh, because it just looks so bad. And, and by the way, the media talked a lot about it too, so people's attention was focused on it. Um, but overall, I thought you know I thought the broadcast went okay. I didn't see anything. the the the, the eight hour post a pregame I just couldn't take. It was like too much. Um and and no matter how much content they put up there, uh, and the content type it was, it was just it was just too much. I, I watched maybe fifteen minutes of it. I'm like, okay, I'll just come back when the game starts.
2: I usually tune in like an hour before the before kickoff. Mm-hmm. I don't and I I usually hop on early because usually that's when you hear all the rumors around the league. That's when there was some buzz about, you know, Derek Carr. Remember it was I was hours before kickoff where it came out that Derek Carr had informed a team that You know, he was going to waive his no trade clause. So that's kind of like why I look at the pregame stuff just to get those rumors in. But other than that, I wait till about an hour before kickoff. I actually thought the broadcast is actually pretty good. I like hearing Greg Olson because I think Greg Olson does a good job at teaching the game as well as telling you what's going on. He's not the Tony Romo type that's going to predict the next play as Tony Romo used to do when he first got in the booth. But you learn a lot by listening to Greg Olson and, and what he says because then you get a better understanding of the technicalities and the basics. Of what the players are thinking, what the coaches are thinking during certain situations. And I thought that was pretty good.
1: Now, take this with a grain of salt because of the dollar figures involved. But I feel for Greg Olson because I don't know if you've heard, but when Tom Brady starts broadcasting in 2024, he takes that spot. So mm-hmm. Greg Olson, who's now making $10 million a year on TV, whew, uh, will make $3 million in 2024 because uh, Tom Brady comes into the booth and says, hey, you go to the number two broadcast unit and that's only worth half the money. So you talk about losing money and losing kind of some prestige on your job. And he's really good. I agree with you. And I I enjoyed listening to him. Uh and, and the crew overall yesterday I thought was was pretty good. And so, you know, hey. Well, Scott, we joke
2: about this all the time. If Tim Brown wanted to do this show, Tim Brown brought in, you know, just <laughs> pick pick a pick a, a a beloved raider out there, Charles Woodson. Let's say Tim yeah. Brown and Charles Woodson wanted to do the show instead of you and I. David, our producer, would be like, well, see you, Scott Moe. It was it was great, <laughs> but uh, we we got an upgrade. We, we got two former Raiders and Hall of Famers up here. So you yeah. guys, you're the B-team. You got to go. So, I mean, well, I, I I get it. You know, and bring not, only that, rings.
1: not only that, but David, unfortunately, is a Michigan fan as well. So that would be, be Michigan, oh, Notre Dame. There it is. There's He'd the cherry coming. on top oh, right there. Oh, boy. He's in the background <laughs> doing thumbs up right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But that's it. So there we go, Mo. The 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 2022 into the 2023 season is officially over. A couple weeks here, there'll be some things happening, but uh you get you get a little breath and then everything's going to start rolling again. Um but but a, a great way to finish the year. I think the game was awesome again till the end. A lot of people upset about the officiating, about Roger Goodell saying at Super Bowl week that the officiating's never been better. And I think that partly that's not true, I think, uh, but because it's happening at key moments, I think overall the officiating—I don't know—I I watch a lot of games. You watch a lot of games, but I think that until people uh, don't watch the NFL, it's not going to change. Why they have no incentive to change anything. If you're watching in record numbers, guess what's going to happen? They're going <laughs> to steady state, man. There's no reason to 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 do anything that would cost the league any money or have them institute changes.
2: And Scott, this Super Bowl that we just saw, Super Bowl 57, was the third most watched Super Bowl as far as ratings are concerned. So the ratings aren't going anywhere. The viewers aren't going anywhere. Correct. Roger Goodell's not going to acknowledge the gaps in the officiating if people, as you said, people would just keep on watching. So there's no reason to admit you're a mistake if the product is still good.
1: That's right. That's right. So we'll see. Anyway, but that's going to conclude this Tuesday edition of Silver and Black Today, we will be back on Thursday, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Mo, what do you got coming up? People need to look for as far as reading and becoming smarter about football. Of course, reading Midtown, Mo.
2: I may have a parting shot for Derek Carr's exit from Las Vegas Ah. on how the Raiders handled the situation. Of course, I'm reminding you again on Friday at, what is it, 3 p.m., I'm going to have a Raiders show just outlining what the Raiders can do to improve their roster overall by free free and the draft. I'll go through some top targets they should go after and some drop top picks and maybe the first or third rounds that they should target. So I'll, I'll go through that to give Raider fans some hope for the future.
1: Is that three Pacific Mo or is that three Eastern? Yeah.
2: Three, three Eastern noon Pacific
1: noon Pacific. Okay. I want to make sure. Cause a lot of our fans, obviously on the West Are, coast yep. want to make sure they don't miss it. You can do it through the bleacher report app on your phone. You can find it there, or you can find it on the website too. Uh, look for Mo with his new fade, getting another one, <laughs> getting it cut,
2: get getting it ready for for Wednesday and Friday. So big go, time Mo being full effect.
1: <laughs> I love it. All right, Mo. Uh, we will talk to you next time, buddy. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, appreciate you guys being with us again. Make sure you subscribe to the show. We'll be back on Thursday see what's going on uh, and we'll have obviously reaction to the Derek Carr cut, uh, release whatever you want to call it, however you want to position it it's up to you, but we will do that as well here on the show uh, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast if you're watching us on YouTube, do me a favor hit subscriptions, but you also have to hit that notification bells and then uh, give us a thumbs up as well for our producer David Stepanian for Mo Moten, I'm Scott Branson. this has been Silver and Black today at Odyssey Original Podcast, take care everybody